Yeah, yeah, 360 degrees. Today we'll start off with Odie. Oh, okay. All right. Good morning, everybody. So, I will say a lot of random things happened this week. Not necessarily like, I don't know, like chat worthy stories, but definitely a lot of like little things going on scrolling through social media, came across Little John building a second school in Ghana. Shout out to him. Of course, I'm biased, though, because why shouldn't he build a school in Ghana? Um, but I was lurking, and I saw your comments on that, Blue, so I'm going to circle back to you on that. Um, there were some people in the comments, including Blue, who echoed the sentiment that, oh, well, why, if Little John is from Atlanta, then why wouldn't he build a school in Atlanta or, like, put money towards the education system here? Um, and since we have Merce on the line, maybe give us some perspective on this. I just feel like $70,000 in the Atlanta public school system is not going to do shit. Like, I just feel like not in a meaningful impactful way especially the way the bro- like there's a bureaucracy here like you can't just say <laughs> if little john decides to give seventy thousand dollars to his elementary school or any elementary school he knows is in need of it it's probably going to take five years to see that money applied towards something and by then it's probably maybe 60 percent of it is going to be applied to some sort of administration um person's pocket. I don't know. It just seems like it's not going to go as far as well, it should. Well, you, you figure, figure it like this, Odie. When they talked about uh, redlining, right? Back in the, the 50s and 60s when they were separating people uh, pretty much by race, right? Uh, a lot of school systems are funded by uh, property taxes. So if your property ain't really worth shit, there's not a lot of money going to your schools. So you figure... Mm-hmm. Uh, a direct donation you would you would think in theory would help but you're right it's is a bureaucracy it's too much red tape it's never as simple as oh i'm gonna donate seventy thousand dollars to the school in atlanta and you're right it's not really gonna do a whole lot you know so you figure if he's donating money to uh to someplace in africa and that money's gonna go further let it go further you know it's not a, a celebrity's job to fix the school systems in our country, it's Congress's job to take care of that because Congress controls how much money goes into the budget. We spend 57% of our discretionary budget in the military and everyone else has to fight over the scraps. So that's and that's the job of the Secretary of Education and and the job of... Uh, well, well we, all, we already know she's full of shit, so <laughs> not happening. Yeah. Not happening. So I, I say, if he wants to donate that money to the school in Africa, let him. You know, get off his dick. I, I I I don't mean to be like that, but you know, 
anytime someone does something to help, there's always going to be somebody to say, well, why can't you do this for this person? I'm like, man, what, like, how much money did you donate? <laughs> you know, once you sell your house and donate money to, to, that, to the Atlanta school or just shut the fuck up and let him do his thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Damn, damn, damn. Well, I I, 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 I I, feel like there's a lot of backlash going towards me because I was the main one going back and forth with motherfuckers about it. Right. But I know that some money can make big impacts. For instance, my nonprofit, um, Roots and Wings, is $5,000 has made a, just an amazing impact in the one school we focused on for this program called um, Reading Buddies. You know, we matched the reading. You know, we had to buy the materials. We had to buy the books. That was pretty much the 5,000. Volunteers match up with a, uh, a mentee, and they meet with them weekly, and they read with them, and they go through the curriculum with them. We found that when they were matched, that the, the problematic kids aren't having the behaviors they were having before. In fact, they're being good in order for the, the teacher to give right. the mentor a good report. So they're looking forward to being able to say, hear positive things about themselves given to mm-hmm. the mentor and then they're having that good session, that good interaction of, you know, the mentor, the mentee, reading back and forth or whatever, whatever book they happen to have. Then they're going over the questions, you know, thought, not just questions like what did Tommy do, but questions that kind of are broader that make you think deeper into the storyline and what it was bringing yeah, to them. Right, right. $5,000 is all we raised for that. That was expanded to another school, Northern Elementary in Roxborough, North Carolina. And we're going to do the same thing. Not Northern, Southern Elementary. And we're going to do the same thing. It don't take a lot to do a lot. It just takes it, what it is. The, the, the currency is really people. Right. True. Yeah, and I agree you guys didn't do that, though. Right now, now in and your case, Blue, that that's a different because you're talking about uh, an organization like outside of the school system that's helping the school system. So that that's, is a different matter yeah, altogether. Was, yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was about to say. That's different. That's totally different. Actually, that's a really good idea. But back to the seventy thousand dollars in the school system here in the United States, it's, especially in um, I would say like Atlanta, Georgia. Um, just handing $70,000 to a school. Well, first of all, I look at those schools and I wrote all around Atlanta yesterday and I passed a lot of schools. A lot of them, they actually look like little mini colleges. So on top of that, where would you see that $70,000 go if you didn't have a structured organization like what Blue's talking about? I don't think it will go too far if you don't present something like that. Like, like she said, it'll go into the administrator's pocket and it'll never be seen mm-hmm. actually in usage for the children. Blue's idea is a great idea. It's, it's something that I feel like more people should at least try to do in the community. Otherwise, you're not going to see that $70,000 do anything. Me personally, him putting money into, what, Africa? He, into a school in Ghana. Like, yeah, I mean, their, education, their education system and the things they have access to, books and abilities, they don't have near what we have here in the United States. And half of our books are lies anyway. So for him to put the money into the schools in a country which I feel like as black people we should, you know, reach out to more anyway and a continent where we pretty much all stem from, I think that's amazing. Let him do what he's going to do with that other country, you know, and over here, we need to be working on small little projects, you know, that don't cost a lot of money like what Blue's saying. Because I think those can make, you know, a big difference. Kind of like, what was it, uh, 
what was it, what's, what's that little organization called? It started small, but got big. Was it Reach One, Teach One? What was it called? I forgot the name of it. Something like that. But yeah. Yeah, I do remember that organization. Yeah. yeah. $70,000 is not going to go far here. I don't even think it will go far in South Carolina, where like where I am, because the, I don't know, the school system's here pretty bad in certain counties. Um, I feel like the bigger the county, the worse the school system is, I guess because it's such a big, like, like maybe Columbia, big metropolitan area. I don't. They the school systems. They don't really take care of them. Uh, almost as bad. And it's just, it's just, more, it's just a lot more bureaucracy to to, to yeah. go through to you know to filter out to, until you get to the kids. Like those schools up in what was it Chicago? I think it was the schools were like um, they had like you know and this doesn't have anything to do with education. This has to do with the surroundings hindering the kids from being educated. Where they didn't have heaters in the school and the yeah. kids mm-hmm. had you know yeah so. Just imagine ten to seven thousand dollars to that school, and then later on seeing the news that this school is still having that problem. Yep. Not only did they not put it towards the education, they didn't put it towards the well-being of the children. You know, so yep. no, no, don't hand any money to any school in the United States. I think he's doing a great thing because they already don't have a lot in a lot of these countries, and he's doing it for a reason. So I'm all for a little done. I, I like that idea. It's pretty awesome. I'm with it. I'm with it. All right. So the other thing that caught my eye this week is Wendy Williams says some some shady shit yet again. <laughs> Y'all don't remember like didn't see that coming. Actually, if you do if you don't remember why I stopped watching Wendy Williams in the first place, I stopped watching um her show on a regular basis when she said the stuff about the HBCUs. That's when I was like, okay, sis, like I'm just done with you. Yeah, like Roland Martin came on the show like right after to quote unquote educate her and have an open dialogue and all that stuff. Um, and I caught a couple of episodes uh, last week whenever we just moved in because I was working from home and it was kind of more like background noise. I, but I was engaged in some parts and I, I was thinking, I was like, damn, I'm kind of missing watching Wendy Williams. Maybe I should start watching her. Well, she dashed that dream real quick. Um, <laughs> in case you missed it, this week he said something along the lines of like, I'm sick of the the Me Too movement. And in the greater context, I do think what, it's funny because I was just thinking about this, but in the greater context of things, I think he was saying that this topic, this hashtag has trended a lot longer than most people expected. Um, I don't know. Well, I'm going to read the quotes and let you guys figure out what um, what she meant by this. Um, but basically, she said, and then what, what pissed me off, too, she she also threw in R. Kelly, which we all know how I feel about R. Kelly. But she said, it's not going to work. Williams said of the mute R. Kelly movement, black people aren't really good at protesting, not since the King March. It's not going to work. Um, and then she she went on to talk about Leah marrying R. Kelly when they were 15, saying, like, where's our parents and all this other dumb shit that has nothing to do with the decision of that young woman. But anyway, um, and she said the Me Too movement hasn't affected R. Kelly because R. Kelly wasn't a Me Too. Aaliyah voluntarily married him when she was 15, and her parents voluntarily let her do it when she was 15 years old. And that little girl I saw was... Um, from my own eyeballs that he yearned on and he had his way with was there at his house. She let it go down. Fucking unbelievable, man. 
I, I, I mean, is this the most outrageous thing Wendy Williams said on my trip? Well, I'm pretty sure she said she says more stuff that's outrageous, but I don't really listen to Wendy Williams, so I'll just have to take your word on it. But I mean, for something like that, the whole thing about uh, victim blaming and then just saying that well they were complicit in it too. It, you figure R. Kelly even back then was a powerful figure. So what are you gonna do? Say no. You know what I mean? I mean, as far as the whole thing with Sophia being married, you figure other people have done that too. Like Ted Nugent uh, had a contract with uh, his wife's parents when she was only 15, you know, to, to marry her off to him. Because, you know, he likes his kids prepubescent because <laughs> he's, he's, he's Ted Nugent. But um, I, stuff like that is complicated. But at the same time, you know, that little girl who got peed on... Uh, <laughs> I, I still think that she was a victim and all that. Because people was like, well, she just stood there. And I'm just like, yeah, but that's R. Kelly. You know, he was a powerful figure then. So. Even can't. if she wasn't R. Kelly, she's fucking 15 and probably didn't. Like, at 15, like, if you're having sex with a grown man and that grown man tells you that it's completely normal, obviously you're going to assume that he has more experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, even even if he wasn't R. Kelly, it's just like, oh, okay, well, this was what grown people do. I I don't want to be a little girl. I want to show him I'm a woman. It's psychologically fucked up. Like it's he's really manipulating these young girls to have a warped sense of reality when it comes to you know a healthy sex life. <laughs> it's basically like what they do to these uh to these young prostitutes. And and I told you about that HBO special I saw about those like those thirteen, fourteen year old prostitutes and even after all the stuff they go through and they're in their little group homes trying to get their lives back together, they're at the windows waiting for their pimps to come up and take them away and marry them because they actually believe that that's what that's how life's supposed to be. Like you go through all this yeah. hardship, and when you're done, you're gonna get married and have this wonderful life. You know, it's for a kid that age. You're right, Odie. It is psychologically damaging. You know. So for Wendy Williams to defend that in any way, I mean, she. I mean, I always thought that she's been ridiculous. And blaming it on the parents. Like, look, I was 15 once too, and I did shit without my parents' knowledge. Like. You know what I'm saying? Like, 15-year-olds can get away with shit. Now, while Aaliyah's parents, that was a different situation. Like, obviously, I'm sure they had to have some sort of, like, waiver or whatever um, where they signed off for her to get married. That that was different. But as far as him having sex with those young women all the time, that's completely different. That's a completely different story. And he knows what the fuck he's doing. He's definitely being a predator. And the fact that she's lumps him in with the Me Too movement. Like, what the fuck, Wendy? Like, what are you talking about? It's just... Yeah. That was... Like... That, go ahead, I'm sorry. He actually said it, but, like, she tried to dismiss it, like, oh, he has nothing to do with it. But then he still went on talking about him. I don't understand. I'm just done with her. I'm done with her. Like, she should really retire. Just take an early retirement and just go out on top. Wendy tends to go against the grain on everything. And I don't know if she does it for attention or what it is. Back to like the HBCU topic, like, girl, you're black, are you high? Why would you say something like that? And then I, and then on top of that, um, you know, you got black kids, you got a black husband, and I mean, you want to um, so Americanize 
Americanize this whole thing like, like oh we, we should all be whatever school yeah right there are still some schools today that we're making strides to get into and it's still an achievement for us um, I don't know if you guys saw the two brothers with the single mother that was on Ellen's show one got into I think Princeton and one got into Harvard and it was like a big deal like, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a big deal for us anymore to walk into any college in the United States. So why would you write off HBCUs? So when she mentioned this R. Kelly thing, which that was actually, that wasn't my blurb for the day. Mine was actually about the actual Me Too movement, speaking on the women who spoke out um, in the Ford industry, the ladies who worked at the Ford plant up north. They did a big thing about that, too, but I'll get back to that in a moment. But, yeah, she yeah. always goes against the grain. Like, she got to do it for attention to stay She's real. Contrary, she contrary, yeah. She not her any attention. She just, mm-hmm. yeah, she's just. And you know her son Charlemagne. That's where he gets it from, because you know he came up with her, and then he, she fired him, and he broke off and does his own thing now with DJ Envy and the eight other stuff that he's on. Damn, he's one of the busiest men in um in media right now, to be honest. <clears throat> I don't know what the benefit is. I don't know if it's shock value like um, Howard Stern. I don't know if they truly believe it. I don't know if their producers have a strong hand in it. Because even though this show isn't controlled, we're all a conglomerate. We all have equal parts into like a show like this. In previous revisions, in previous radio shows I've did, we had a producer who had much more influence on what we said and did. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's Charlemagne. He's a, like he goes against the grain all the time too. Like what he did with what's her name, Amara Lanegra. Amara Lanegra. Yeah, this week I was like, I was listening to that interview and being like, why is he being so motherfucking difficult? Like, why is he acting like he doesn't understand what this woman is saying? And I don't know. I don't know if he was being like again difficult because it's better for the show, for the brand of the show, or for him, or if it was, um, because... Charlemagne, Charlemagne is from Monk's Corner, South Carolina, one of the most highly impoverished areas of South Carolina. Very, very deeply ingrained with a slave mentality. The brown, the brown paper bag test is probably a, a, a litmus test for that area. Remember, he was the one who bleached his own skin. He don't like black like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I can, yeah, it, like I said, he always goes against the grain. And you, the crazy part about Charlemagne for a while, you won't hear him say anything stupid or controversial. And then all of a sudden, he'll come up with some bullshit like that. Like with Miss um, I'm like, I'm like, do you feel like just for a moment when you're not being idiotic that you're falling off the map or something, and he'll come back and he's widespread news. Like, we don't know he say dumb stuff. Like, dude, you just, you just, I don't know. I, he, if he, he's not trending, he's not winning. And so I, maybe exactly. that was a and trending, like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like he respects black women at all. Not even not even just the Afro-Latinas, you know, the, the Latina black women. He doesn't respect any of them. And he's done it before. And like I said, just like Wendy Williams, like you said, they used to work together. And they are like one and the same. I mean, you know, they, they really are. Yeah, he got the formula from her. And I'm sure she, you know, she was his mentor. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the long and short of it is, is that Amara La Negra is gorgeous and Charlemagne is a jackass. And that's pretty much the long and short of it. You know, but in yeah. this you got to be able to get those ratings. If anybody needed to get donkey of the day that week, it was the damn breakfast club. And what's up with your girl? What's that, that little Asian lady who's with them who hardly says anything? Angela Yee? Yeah. 
Man, what? The, she's such a. She's useless. See, but actually, actually, <laughs> so. No, like, actually, you bring up a good point. Um, one of the, the comments that kind of came across, because um, I, I was listening to the interview when it was happening, and I was like, damn, like, why is he such a jerk? And then, but I also noticed that Angela and Amar were constantly being cut off, constantly, by Envy and Charlamagne. So somebody brought up a good point, like, damn, like, that's how black women feel all the damn time. Like, even when we're trying to speak up, because Amar definitely started to explain herself multiple times, and she kept being cut off. So I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to blame this on Angela Yee or say she's part of the problem. Like, but those dudes need to be way more conscious of how they treat women. And I remember something else, too. Somebody else was on, um an episode and she kept cursing like it was a it was a singer I feel like it was Southern Streeter but she came on the show um and she was cursing a lot they were like dang stop cursing and I was like they never say that to the niggas like ever they never say that to the men they'd be like oh like stop cursing no they just put the button over it and like mute it right and um I just thinking like damn that's like they really got like I don't think they even noticed that they're doing I've seen that seven street interview she was yeah, she was a little excessive almost as if she didn't have an uh an adequate vocabulary in order mm-hmm. it's almost it was feeling cursing have you did you see it no I remember listening to it yes because I yeah. remember them shushing her right, and then right. but I remember hearing other rappers come on Person just now you know that DJ Envy and Charlemagne are some real bitch ass Now you know they ain't gonna front on no damn big gangster rapper with his 20 million people entourage and get pumped. Now I, I was impressed when he did get up in um baby's ass. Oh, you wanna? Is you done? Is you fit it? You done? Is you fit it? I, <laughs> That motherfucker got all his tattoos off. He's trying to look clean. He don't realize that um, uh, Tony Braxton is going to bleed him dry because that's all she's good for. She is the true definition of a gold digger. <clears throat> Anyways, I digress. That's my little blurb for the day. With the exception is Little Wayne is making progress in his um, lawsuit. Um, the judge indicated that he, they Cash Money has to open up their books and tell them how they spent the seventy million. Oh, that's damn. Damn. He's gonna spend it all on syrup anyway, so. Well, I will say one. Yeah, he definitely still gets high. But I will say one thing: he's remained a millionaire all this time. You never heard of him having financial problems like Baby did. But I think Baby even filed bankruptcy. No, 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 he didn't file bankruptcy. Um, he had. Yeah, that house was a falsehood. He did the loan on that house. Yeah, something like that. But you have never heard, no matter what the Wayne does, you have never heard him have financial issues in the media. Never. And, and so, with all of them, never had child support issues either. Shout out to exactly. Wayne for that. Yeah, he's still a millionaire. So he, even though he's drinking ridiculous crap, I'm pretty sure he's still, he, he has his money in order. And like, you'll probably never hear about him being broke. I mean, and we're talking about baby who had, you know, some financial issues after he's taking all this money from all these artists. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he he marries or Tony Braxton. They say they got married on the back end or whatever. And she definitely filed bankruptcy a few times. So you know, let let them well, be given. Look who. Well, you know, Wayne has he has Nicki Minaj. He has Drake. I don't know who else he manages or deals with. Who I can only think of what who who does um Baby have? Baby has Slim Thug, 
Slim Thug. He has what's some you know them them bounty boy rappers. He has like a couple of those bounty boy rappers. Though they trend, they don't really you don't ever really hear about them in the top 100 or anything. They're not they don't pop like that, with the exception of maybe Jaqueen, the singer rapper guy. Oh yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think he's the only one that pops out of that group currently, because I. Yeah, that might be why the money's good on Little Wayne's side and not so good on Baby's side. And, you know, Baby's all about flogging, and Manny said it best. He's a trick-ass nigga. Well, but anyway. Well, there's, not a, there's not a lot of artists under cash money. I, I just looked it up. Um, mm-hmm. And Little Wayne, he runs, he runs Young Money, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's all under the same umbrella. So, yeah, it's just Drake, Nicki, and Wayne, and a few other people. But, but yeah, um... Especially in this industry, and you know, when it comes down to music, and you see things are ever evolving. Rap is not what it used to be, but I will say one thing: I'm proud to see Lil Wayne still, you know, thriving through the BS, through the money issues with Baby and all that other kind of stuff. Because he could have, he could have put himself in a bad financial situation before he knew this would happen, and he could be broke right now trying to fight for money. But they, I'm, I'm glad they're making him look through the books and you know, lay out what you use it for. Kind of like uh, we had this conversation on um, my page the other day about child support and they should make baby mamas do that like every year. <laughs> like lay out what they spend the money on. But yeah, that's that's definitely something that I'm 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 glad the courts are making him do. Because if he can go out and buy um, what did he buy Tony Braxton a uh was it a Rolls Royce or something? Bentley, he bought it something. If he can do that, he can definitely pay his artist. Now, Tony Braxton's worth, like, I mean, if this is right, after uh, 2016, he's worth, like, $10 million. Well, they said as of May 2017. That was that was almost last year. But, I mean, if she's got millions and millions of dollars, why is she making baby... Well, I know why, because she can. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, you know, when you, when you say you're worth, it's not liquid. It might be your properties. It might be right. your cars yeah. and stuff like that. So she probably is worth... She, that might be everything she owns, not necessarily the cash that she needs to to pay out to maintain those properties or do what she needs to do. Property gotcha. taxes on houses is, can slit your throat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially on these million-dollar homes, you dig? As you know, with those of you who drive, even the property taxes on your cars is like, what? Uh, that's the one bill you don't really think about until it's too late, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, every year, <laughs> middle of the year, they get Well, um... But all right, all right. So, um, Mercedes, your, your blurb? Oh, that was your blurb? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, that wasn't my oh. blurb. I was okay, okay. My blurb was actually back towards what we were talking about, the Me Too movement, but I was going to address the women who are currently suing the Ford Motor Company up north um and i don't know if that's where it started no i don't think i'm not sure if that's where it started because this whole movement started back in october of last year but basically what's going on in within this uh within these few women um so and and this is this i'm telling the story from someone who understands i worked at bmw for like four years and um the superiority you know complex when it comes down to our lead our what we call our green shirts or our supervisors the leads that were on the line and stuff, I understood exactly where these women were coming from. Now, it could be worse in other places. You know, the third shift plant life is terrible anyway. But anyway, so these women were saying were like, um, they pretty much were sexually harassed, groped, felt on, you know, uh, demeaned and everything else sexually by their leads and other male coworkers on the line. So right now they're suing um, 
for quite a bit of money in regards to this whole situation. Now, <laughs> they were basically, basically, okay, like, it was one woman, she told her story, like, as far as the approach goes, like, um, you know, I went to my supervisor, and he pretty much told me, well, you better not go say anything because this is that, and that will happen, and it will trickle down to him. Now, granted, he wasn't the one touching her. He wasn't the one really making forward, you know, making advancements on her. It was other people on the line. He was pretty much the cover-up for it so that he wouldn't get in trouble for what they probably would address is like, oh, he allowed it on the line. So it just got out of hand, and it got out of hand for many women, not just not just her. It was a lot of women. But I guess my question is like, and, and I'll and I'll and I'll tell like my viewpoint briefly. But like working in these environments where like the plant life, where it's predominantly male anyway, but some people want to say these women were overacting and being dramatic. I don't know what your viewpoint is on it, you guys, but do you think these women, you know, telling the stories as is, do you think they're being dramatic by actually suing, uh, well, I guess like the union or whatever whatever it is, do you think they're being dramatic for actually taking that step forward and putting their face out there to finally sue? They even no. have more women coming forward now. No, I don't, I don't think it's being dramatic. First of all, if you're in a union, your union's supposed to protect you from stuff like that. You know, it's, not, it's not just about oh, uh, making sure you get Martin Luther King Day off. It's about protecting the workers uh, as a whole. North country. You know, and and if the union is failing at that, yeah, sue their asses. I I don't think they're being dramatic at all. Do you guys remember that movie with Charlie Theron? And she was like a single mother and um, she, like, she didn't, basically she was trying to get the most money that she could for her family. And so in their town, the only good jobs were mining jobs. So she was like one of the first women to be um, minor. And they like, they used to sexually harass her. It was like a rape or an attempted rape. Um, they used to do shit like when she was in the porter potty, like dump it over when she was in there. Y'all remember that movie? It was really good. Not really. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking of another movie like it. But, um. Why shit like that? Yeah, it, it's. It was a really, it was a good movie. It was based on a true story, um, and it was called North Country. So it was good if you wanted to check it out. Um, so that's why I'm like, this shit has been going on for a really long time. That movie came back in 2005. So, I mean, if it's been going on, like, of course, men are gonna be, you know, um, men are gonna be. I don't. I can't speak for how they feel, but they're gonna appear to be intimidated and on some like, oh, I can't believe I have to work with women kind of shit. And um, I'm actually reading a book right now called Lean In by Cheryl Sandberg, who's the the COO at Facebook, and she told a story. And so it's not. You don't even have to be like in a quote unquote man's job, like because I mean, let's face it, all of them are gonna consider it to be a man's job. So. Um, she was telling the story about how her somebody that she had to work with kept trying to like hook her up with her son and he would always say things like oh like my son is single and he would announce it to everybody so finally she came to him one day and was on some shit like yo like chill out with it and he was like whatever just Mr. Felicia kept doing it she told her boss and her boss was like well what are you doing to give those signals what the fuck so she had to go um over his head and that guy happened to be a black guy and of course disenfranchised as he was he was on some oh don't worry like i'll take care of it because you know sometimes people need to be reminded 
how others need to be treated. Like, wink, wink, like, I feel your pain, white lady, because, you know, I'm a black man, whatever. So, I'm just like, it happens at all levels, whether it's a quote-unquote blue-collar job, you know, an executive-level position, it doesn't matter. It's happening. It's happening everywhere. You know, it, it was kind of why I got mad at the whole Taylor Swift thing. And I was, matter of fact, I was just telling my friend that yesterday. Because, I mean, you know, Taylor Swift, I mean, long story short, she's a huge pop star, you know. So, of course, she's going to win her lawsuit because she has like 40,000 lawyers to help her out. You know, if you're a blue-collar worker at Ford, you really need that job to feed your family, you know. Yeah. It's a huge step to be involved in a lawsuit. Look at the uh, one of Roy Moore's accusers got her house burned down. You know, mm. so it's so the danger is real in coming out like that, especially some, against someone, a powerful entity like the Ford Motor Company. You know, so I, I applaud them for that. For you know, finally, you know, now I'm not going to say finally. That's what I mean is, uh, you know, people are, are becoming brave enough to take on those corporate giants and say, hey, listen, you know, you can't treat me this way. Yeah, it, I, I will say this. Why do women date men? Men are terrible. I'm not saying that to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm just saying, like, whenever I hear about women's problems, 99% of the time it involves men. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just lucky that women still talk to it's, me. It's so funny that you bring that up because, you know, Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres just turned 60 this week. <laughs> and, you know, Ellen, she looks really good. For a sixty-year-old woman, especially a sixty-year-old white woman, <laughs> all the comments were like, mm, "Damn, like, see what happens whenever you take fuck boys out of your life." Like, <laughs> 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 you just look like Ellen at sixty. Like, damn, maybe lesbianism is the wave. I don't know, but no, I just can't bring myself to say mm, vagina. Mm-hmm. I want to say, you know, the creams mm-hmm. from the vagina are on um, very moisturizing. Just think of a natural oil of Olay on steroids. So yes, I agree. That's why my skin is so smooth and pretty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Only blue. <laughs> He's so subtle. <laughs> yeah. Not recently, now that I've converted to asexuality, but, you know, when I was, you know, um, a, a, home, a, a heterosexual male, then of course that was the case. But I'm now classified as an asexual male. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry to hear that. Or oh no, no, no. Congratulations. I, I, I'm so much more focused now. When you take sexuality out of the mix, and when you're just there, just being a a, a contributor to the environment, to the universe, you'd be surprised on how much you get done. You'd be surprised. You'll see how much time is wasted investing in those type of relationships, especially in this day and time. If it doesn't make you better, it doesn't help you. If it if it causes you more stress then the, the the rewards you get from it, then why why do it, you know? I don't know. Is, it, is, is 30% enjoyment worth 70% pain? I think it's not. And that's all I have to say. I am an <laughs> asexual. <laughs> I'm sorry. You sound like the after school, like infomercial on accident. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they ran those damn um, after-school specials in Charleston. Gee whiz. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's rare. They don't do it that much up here in the upstate either anymore. And they're starting to bring back um, sex ed into the school system, and there are parents fighting it. Um, sorry, but us 80s and 90s babies turned out decent, and we've had sex education. 
parents are actually fighting sex education coming back. So you're not going to see the absence infomercials anymore. Trust me. Baby well, abstinence, abstinence isn't the best model anyway. It's about just being, the best model is being safe and being aware of the impact that sexuality can have on you. And don't be giving your goodies away just to be giving them away. And just because you have anal sex for four years and never have vagina sex, bitch, you ain't no virgin. <laughs> I heard some teenage kid and she was so serious. Um, she said that oral sex wasn't real sex, so she was still a virgin. I was like, now technically that may be, you know, technically the case. But at the same time, it's like, why is your mind at 14, 15 even thinking about sex anyway? That's just my opinion. At 15, I was, you know, out. I was on the double dutch team. I was out double dutching and uh, getting into other sports. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You, you know, for me, it, it was it was a mixture because at 15, you know, you know, you start to get curious about. I mean, really curious about that sort of thing. You're probably curious about it since you were like 12 or 13, talking about boys and girls. But you know, at 15, I was in 10th grade. So, you know, you know, we were dating and all that, but then you always had some people who were advanced, like, you know, really advanced. So it, I guess it just all depends on, I'd want to say on how you were raised, but maybe your environment, you know, because I mean, at 15, there were certain things there was like, I hear some people talk about it and I was just like, ah, you know, because I'm like, I wasn't that advanced at that age, you know? So it, I guess mm-hmm. it, it all depends because there were some people who was like, you know, 15, I was really more like, you know, well, uh, while I was in the girls, it was more like, all right, well, I'm going to come home, do my homework, do my chores, and go play some basketball. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wasn't out there, you know, out there like that, at least not yet. But it all, I mean, I guess it all depends on the person. Okay, and um, back a little, I'm just going to backtrack just a little bit back to what we were talking about, like the women at the plant. I worked at um, BMW <clears throat> for four years. Um, I was working on the line for their their number one contractor, which is MAU here in the upstate. And um, so I remember some nights on the line, and this is when I was pregnant, and this was the most, this is one a, a point in my life where I didn't want to hear that crap. But when I was pregnant, I got so, so much, I call it negative feedback. And I don't know if it was because men are attracted to pregnant women. And you know some of the sayings that they say about pregnant women. Um, But I used to get all kind of stuff. Like, I remember one day I was walking back to my locker, and this guy was like, and I'm going to say it, it it wasn't no curse words or anything. But he was like, he said, I want to hit that from the back so bad. I was like, what? And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, your booty didn't got bigger. You just sexy to me right now while you're pregnant. And I was like, ugh. I said, this is so, uh, I don't know. And then um, later on down the line, my green shirt actually got fired because some other girls on another line with a different company, they were like with one of those lower tier companies, but they went back and told that he was uh, sending, you know, sexual text messages, but it was off the clock and they still let him go. I don't understand that. But um, but she ended up getting let go too. So she kind of, you know, you know, kind of was part of the situation. She should just keep her mouth shut. Um, not to keep her mouth shut because of anything bad, but if you gave him your phone number and you say you don't like the sexual things, he texts you off the clock, how do you get this man fired from work? So that was a totally different type of story. But some of the things that happened on the line, I remember one time, um, it was this one guy was talking to me. He was like rubbing the middle of my lower back. The line had shut down. We were supposed to be sweeping and cleaning up while the line was down. And he kept rubbing the middle of my lower back. And I was kind of backing away. And he just kept moving like towards me and touching me. I was like, why are you touching me? 
Like, and then on top of that being pregnant and fat and eight months pregnant and aggravated, and actually twice in the line. I had two of my kids when I was working out there. Um, <clears throat> don't touch me. So it was just like weird stuff like that that guys will do. So I can side with these women from Ford. Those guys really do weird stuff. Like, and then on top of that, you're like afraid to tell somebody because you don't know who's friends with who in that place. And a lot of the green shirts have been out there since the plant opened. And it's like 20 something years old, you know, been up for like 20 years. And my green shirt for one at the time had been there for, you know, 19 years. So if it's like 23, 24 years old now, he's definitely, he had been there since the doors opened. So you don't know who he's made friends with in the upper higher, you know, white shirt, you know, colleagues and stuff like that. So uh, white collar or whatever, but it was definitely a um, uncomfortable environment to work in. It, it, and again, you know, growing booty, boobs, and belly, you know, it just, ugh, I don't know. It was like a, like you're in a fish pad, like a shark tank. And it was just ugh, mm-hmm. like guppy. And it just, I, I felt icky. And, and, I, and I didn't go the route these women to sue, but I saw a lot of other women, pregnant or not, get harassed the same way. And there were times where I would, we had this little area called M-Band where we would actually, um, lock in the cars to hoist up and it was a one person job and it was so like you know by yourself you didn't see anybody all night most people like oh i didn't even know you were working tonight i begged that job most nights towards the end of my pregnancy and this other little job called hood locks because i did not want to be near anybody towards the end because people were just too you know i was aggravated i was big and i literally worked up right up until right before i had my daughter and right up before i had my son the year before i just didn't want to be near anybody so when i listened to the stories that these women told i was like man that sounds familiar but of course i didn't know how to gather you know enough people to you know file a lawsuit or you know something like that and i've been gone for uh, three years now so of course i wouldn't go back on it now but I could really side with these women. Like, yes, the workplace is made uncomfortable sometimes. And not just in plants, but in plants at night, you have a lot more time to, you know, do nothing pretty much. I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, we, we did most of the production. We met numbers better than the morning shift, but we, it was like so much time to talk and just, I guess the freaks come out at night. It was just a totally different at A shift. Cause I like work A shift for like three months and it just was freaks not the same. Freaks come out at night. Were you in a union then? Um, in South Carolina, we do not have a union. And, and, that, and that may be part of the problem. I don't know what was happening. To the, I, I would imagine that the girls at the Ford Mortar plant have had a union. They do. They have a union. But I, I could understand. Yeah, in that case, I could understand you being a little apprehensive to, because like you said, you don't know who's friends with who. So you're exactly. the low person on the totem pole. So you don't know, exactly. even if you're in the right. You know, even though you're in the right, you can't go up the ladder and then realize, oh, this person, that person are friends, so you're going to get the short end of the stick. You, you may lose your job, you know, and, and that's that's, uh, you know, all these states that don't have unions and people like scoff at, the, you know, oh, the unions are corrupt and they feel that way until they need them. And then realize, oh, oh, OK, you figure police unions defend cops that shoot kids in the back. You know, yeah. so people right. uh, they may scoffies, but they they really wish they had that level of protection. <laughs> I mean, not this not discounting people who get shot by the police, but you know, unions are usually supposed to be an advocate for the worker against yeah. the company. And if you don't have that, then I, I know a lot of people say some dumb shit like, "Yeah, well, why didn't she just come forward? Come forward to who? Who's gonna exactly. be in, who's gonna be in your corner?" 
if you don't right, have exactly. it's, 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 yeah like where else is there to go that's why I already know like HR is full of shit I definitely rather have a union than an HR unit because HR is always going to protect the interests of the company and that's the whole like a union to my understanding is the complete opposite of that it's it's an advocate for the employee um, but that's when I was dealing with um when I was dealing with some, some employment issues um, at my old company, I consulted an attorney because I was like, something weird is happening here. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I consulted an attorney because I needed, um, yeah, I like went the prop, I went through the proper channels in case some, something hit the fan. I didn't want it to come back on me where it looked like I was being um, litigious and like just running to a lawyer. So I went through the proper channels first, and of course, when I got no satisfaction there, um, because I saw what was happening, I did consult with an attorney. And it's fucked up if you don't have the financial resources to be able to do that, and just you know spend an hour with an attorney um, with all of your receipts, all of your documentation, saying this is what's happening at my job. What should I do? Um, then you're then you're like you're you're screwed. Now, yeah, and, and, and also, your uh, and I guess this may be a thing of the state. I mean, I may need to look into this more. I may even talk about it more on Monday. But if you, you know, we have a National Labor Relations Board, you know, so if you don't have a union, you should be able to turn to them and bring your case to them and say, hey, listen, you know, there's something horrible going on here. I need you to investigate it and they can investigate. It. You know, I, I told the story about my uncle who got fired, who got wrongfully fired. And this is the and this is back in St. Croix in the sixties. And their version of the National Labor Relations Board said, Hey, they're not obligated to keep you on, but they have to pay you severance. You know what I mean? Like somebody was in his corner to, to investigate it and sort it all out. So as far as I know, the National Labor Relations Board exists. I haven't heard much from them in the last few years, so I may need to look into that for Monday. But at least if you don't have a job at the union. You should be able yeah. to turn to the NLRB and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. So this way you don't have to spend money on a lawyer. You yeah, know? and that's like, you see what mm-hmm. happened to the girl who, like I just said, that was working online and got my old supervisor's phone number. And even though he was doing stuff so-called outside of work, they deemed it inappropriate and they let him go, but they let her go too. I don't even know why they let her go in the process. I don't know if she mm-hmm. was also texting while at work or he was texting while at work and it was like maybe she didn't tell the entire truth but she got let go in the process too you know so who did she turn to if she was telling the truth nobody because she went straight to bmw hr and you know they they you know mm. within right, about a right. week and and this is what he said happened to him when i talked to him personally after the fact he was like he said well they didn't fire me he said they gave me the opportunity to resign since i'd been there for long she got fired <laughs> Did. Now, when she got fired, did they give her severance? They didn't give her anything. <sighs> then, mm-hmm. then basically she got fired. <laughs> gave him the opportunity. Yeah, no, no, he, no. He, he got severance. He got everything that was supposed to come along with somebody who had been out there twenty years. He didn't lose any of his benefits. But not, but not the the girl. She just got fired and let yeah. go, and that was yeah. that. I, yeah, I think she had been out there um, through BMW, hired off like. This, I think this particular girl, no, no, the girl that turned him in, she was BMW herself, but she hadn't been out that long. She had been there like about two years, a few mm. years. She wasn't with one of the lower contractors, my bad. Um, when he did holler at her or whatever, she was dealing with some of the other lower contractors out there that don't really do much. 
And um, but he, I think he got a couple phone numbers, but hers was one that he was adamant about. And and they tried to you know give their little two cents. The other little nine dollar hour girls out there, they tried to get their little two cents, but they didn't really get any feedback from it. And they kept their little jobs. But yeah, she got yeah she got fired. She didn't have anything to fall back on. She he but he got everything that he was supposed to get. His his retirement, his everything. Then on top of that, he turned around and got um a nice supervisor job at another place within about three weeks. And he's been like, like I think now he's like a plant manager over there. He nothing happened to him really, to be completely honest with you. And to be honest with you, with that text messaging situation, once they explained it, it did. I mean, girl, you gave him your phone number, but at the same time, if he did make weird sexual advancements or text weird stuff while they were at work, then yeah. I can see why, but even if that being the case, he got everything, she got nothing. I hate to say it, which I don't defend any type of sexual harassment because I've been sexually harassed pretty much all my life, and, and it's, it's terrible. Even outside the plant, sometimes the approach of some men to what they consider a pretty face is not, I hate it. I literally hate it. But nice. with her, in that case, she would have been better off just keeping her mouth shut and blocking his text messages so she could keep her job because she had a nice job. And, and this comes back to the livelihood of her kids, you know. Hey, as a woman, I gave this idiot my phone number. Let me just back off from him and see if maybe they can put me somewhere else and maybe like, oh, I don't feel comfortable working here. Hey, I'll just leave it at that. Like, go to another department. BMW is literally, I don't know how many million acres that place is, but it's huge. And we have like, say, well, I said we like I said work there, about 10 different buildings out there where you can work. Girl, tell them to move you if you have to. But she could have kept her job. He could have kept his job. I just feel like it was a situation where, you know, if he didn't touch you, write this idiot off as one other person I shouldn't have given my damn number to because there's no way he took your number from you. That was the start of it. That was the open door to the situation to me. But she, she de- definitely deserved to be in a more comfortable workplace. She did not deserve to me to not have a job to go back to. But that's just me. And him too. They both should have just it shouldn't have happened in other words. Now back to the people touching people on the line. Now those that's a whole different story. So, but yeah, we don't have a union here, unfortunately. So if you go to human resources, you're probably bound to go down with the person that you're complaining about. And that's not the first situation. We had a couple that worked on the line that were swingers that used to make forward advancement to, you know, other contractors. And yeah, it was, that was uncomfortable, but they never got fired. One of them still works out there and the other one, she just eventually quit after giving 14 years. And the husband, I think he, he's like going on like 20 years now. So yeah, nope. Yep, they used to try to uh, get couples to swing with them and everything on the line. Try hard. They tried hard to get me and my ex-husband to do it one time. But, uh, no, I'll pass. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was very uncomfortable working at some nights on that line. Were the, string, were the swingers black or white? Black. They were black. What? I never knew any black swingers. I know plenty of them. You want me to introduce you to them? I know a lot of them. No, I'm asexual. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I have no interest. You have no idea. There's a whole, like, black swinger lifestyle. They have black swinger cruises. There are a lot of black swingers out there. Like, a lot of them. Um, Matter of fact, there's this black uh, swinger Caribbean cruise coming up from Miami this summer. And it's just something that I've looked into because it's kind of interesting, but I definitely wouldn't approach somebody in the workplace. But, you know, I just look into it. And, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, hundreds and thousands of them. You know, people think mostly that they probably don't. They're just quiet about it, and they do their own thing. 
they might mingle with the other swingers of different, you know, uh, racial backgrounds. But for the most part, black swingers pretty much black swinger crews. Here it goes, porting out of Miami, June 1st or something. You know, they really don't, they kind of just do their own thing, which is, I think, is pretty awesome. I mean, when it comes down to, you know, black people sticking together, I guess. <laughs> They're all white. Right, that's one agenda that they all in the same page with. It's like, all right, we we about to do this shit, but it's gonna be really, really good. Exactly. It, it, it's mm-hmm. funny, but it, it works out for them. So hey, but yeah, plenty of black swingers out there. As a matter of fact, um, it's not about business. Let them the, do the their weird thing, The weird thing about that situation with the black couple in the line, like uh, about a year later. Not after I left, I was still at the plant at the time, but like a year later, my cousin passed away, and he was at the funeral. And I was afraid to ask if he was my relative or not, so I found out like three weeks ago, he's my daddy's like second cousin. I was like, ew, like you are related to me. So yeah, it was weird. <laughs> it was definitely weird. I was like, oh my God. It was just disgusting. And then, um, yeah, and I actually work with... um. A couple people that know them and them now so that's totally different story not no swinger thing but we have a lot of terrible stuff going on in the black community right now in Greenville South Carolina we have this one store where they they just like the nigga 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 all the time and, and they're they're Asian and they will cuss you out and call you that and everything so they're trying to get that store shut down then right by there like in a kind lodge where a lot of people you know with barely any income they kind of live you know on a week-to-week basis and unfortunately it was condemned so people aren't they don't have a place to go and i'm actually headed there this morning instead of charlotte to this casting call i want to take some food by there and stuff like that but yeah right now in greenville there there's worse in the black community than some black swingers so i'm working with them <laughs> and a few other quite a few other people that i know and we're gonna food and try to find shelter for these people so and protest and try to get the store shut down. <laughs> so we got a lot going on right now. Yes. Yeah. To get the store shut down, what you should do is just don't be a patron to that store. You can say all the niggas and bitches and hoes you want to say. I just ain't got to fuck with you and give my money away. Which is true. Which is true. But it sits smack in the middle of the hood. I mean, if you don't get it taken out of the hood... I mean, how many people do you think are going to stop going to that store as convenience because it's a convenience store, like, in the middle of the hood? It's not like okay. a kind of outdoor. I mean, well, you know. People can walk. Like, there, there's, like, three hotels right there, right? And this is, again, where people, one of the hotels is the one that I'm talking about. Where okay. people are, like, um, you know, they don't have means to get anywhere else. So they're going to walk to that store for convenience. Yeah, I don't have a, um, a transportation system, like bus or anything? We do have a bus system here, but um, let, let, I have to make sure I'm saying this right. I mm-hmm. don't think they run on the weekend. And that's, you know, with Greenwood Damn. so fast and growing, they need to change that. But I, if I, I'm trying to think. It's either they don't run on the weekends or they close or they stop running after, like, real early, like, 7 or 9, 9 p.m. That's, or that's how uh, that's how Raleigh started, though. I remember that, though. Yeah, like I remember Wally started with connectors and like the buses didn't run on Sunday and then they stopped early on Saturday. Yeah, so it's, it might be a close thing. Like eventually, well, data, uh, data here in Durham is probably one of the best bus systems that I know of besides like New York. And um, 
Yeah, you should come to come to Durham, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've, there are parts of North Carolina that I would like to see. I mean, of course, being so close to the border, like like you know, Gastonia is probably like 45 minutes from Spartanburg, so it's not that far. But other than that, I really haven't been anywhere outside of uh, you know, like um, Asheville, like 45 minutes from here. Um, Gastonia, Kings Mountain, places like that. Charlotte, you know, Charlotte's like an hour, 15 minutes from here. There aren't really many other places that we uh, kind of like get to, but Durham, Jacksonville, what Riley, it's a couple of the places that I've always wanted to see, just to see what it's like. I don't know. I've thought about moving to North Carolina too, but I, I wasn't quite sure which which cities are the best and most like upgrowing, I mean, upcoming for Black people. So I definitely want to move where my people at, you know. So. Beautiful place to be. And thank you for your eclectic blurb. Mercer Prescott, do your thing. <laughs> All right. You know, I, I, I will say this, you know, talking about Trump every week is kind of a cop out because it's so easy, you know. Very. <laughs> it, it's, he just gives so much material. I know there's going to be a time when all these comedians like uh, Bill Maher and Stephen Colbert, they're going to say, well, what are you going to do when Trump's not president? Well, aside from be happier, I'll just, I'll just have to write about something else. <laughs> but it's hard when Trump does so many goofy things. And the thing is, Trump's leadership is an illusion. It's not there. Put it like this. The deal with um, for the shutdown, right? They came to an impasse. They couldn't get anything done, right? You know, when they finally got something done, even though it favored the Republicans a little bit more because they didn't have to deal with DACA, the reason why it got done is because they took Trump out of the equation. You know what Trump was in those deals? It's like basically if you're – I know it's a weird analogy. If your accountant came over to go over your taxes with you, right? But then you have a little kid who's running around. I want a cookie. I want a juice box. I want a cookie. I want a juice box. Mom, mom. (laughs) That's basically Trump. So what they had to do over that weekend was they had to take Trump and they, they said, look, give him his Blackberry, give him a bag of Craisins, give him his jukebox, his juice box, put him in front of TV, let him watch SpongeBob SquarePants for six hours and let us get this deal done. And that's what they yep. did. They yeah, had that's to, the sad part. Yeah. They had to literally treat him like a little kid and keep him distracted and out of the way so they could work a deal. That's not what a leader is supposed to be. You're the leader of the free world. You can start nuclear wars. You know, everything you do has a cause and effect. Everything you say has a cause and effect. But yet they had to treat him like a little kid in order to get something done. There is nothing that happened in 2017 that, I mean, aside from his executive orders. He has no real legislative wins. When you really think about it, because everything that happened, the few things that happened in 2017 happened because of Congress, not because of the president. The president didn't help at all. And there are still people who were walking around. They were like, oh, they just love Trump to the point where they're ready to embarrass themselves. Like Rush Limbaugh, like Sean Hannity, like Alex Jones, you know, people ready to fall on their swords for Trump. And it's, it's absolutely, the illusion of leadership is absolutely ridiculous. Put it like this. Uh, I think it was Monday. 
was Trump's uh, 13th wedding anniversary with Melania, right? But they weren't together. You know, he went to that rich people's conference out in, uh, I forget where it was. I didn't really pay too much attention to it this week because I'm just like, oh, yeah. The thing that Trump said he wasn't going to go to and then he decided to go to, oh, he went back on his word? That's weird. He's never done that before, you know? But you, you figure... Uh, I'll put it like this. Vox had an article, right? Actually, a really good article, right? Oh, and it expired. Hold on a second here. The name of the article pretty much says everything you need to know about Trump. It says Trump's latest interview shows he's not really the president. (laughs) He's holding the office, but he's not doing the job. And one of the reasons why is because he doesn't know anything. So they can't go to Trump and ask his opinions on stuff because he doesn't know anything. Okay? Trump doesn't even... Yeah, he checked out. Like, when they were trying to teach him, I mean, he checked out. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Yeah. They... What, what did they say when they were trying to teach him? They, they were trying to give him to brush him up on the Constitution. What do you make to the fourth one? They said before his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. All he wants to do is play golf. He doesn't want to do any work. He's never done any work. I think this is the most work he's done in his life. And he didn't even want to do that. Put it like this. Trump didn't realize that he's the one who canceled uh, the DREAM Act, DACA. He didn't realize that he's the one who canceled it in the first place. Or he that probably didn't know that they were the same thing. It was the names that confused him. Yeah. Did you know that he has... Uh, According to Bill Maher, right, I was watching one of his clips today, Trump has posted over 2,000 tweets about President Obama. Over 2,000 tweets about Obama, stemming back Mm -hmm. when Obama was president until now, you know? He thought this would be an easy job. Here's here's the thing, right? Uh, Where was it? Okay. So when Trump was talking about uh, Apple, right, he was saying that, uh, you know, he he loves to tout his own numbers, even though they're not really his numbers yet. He says, uh, this is from Vox, from the article. He says, we're setting records every week. Every day we're setting records. You see what's, you see what's going on. Apple now with 350 billion. And, and I'm I'm sorry if it sounds like gibberish, but I'm reading word for word what Trump said. So if it sounds like gibberish, it's because it came from Trump. Most people thought they meant 350 million, which would build a nice plant. But I spoke with Tim Cook, who's the president of Apple, and I was very honored. But you remember my campaign? I used to say I won't consider it as great unless Apple starts coming in and really investing big money, doing the plants. They're going to do a lot, right? What this means is this, right? Said what actually, what they, and this is Vox's part. They said what Apple actually promised was to make a thirty billion, or sorry, to make thirty billion in domestic capital investments, most of which will be data centers, offices, and Apple Store real estate upgrades, rather than actual manufacturing facilities. So Trump thought that they were going to build more uh, manufacturing facilities in the United States. That's not the case. They said the three hundred fifty billion measure is a rough five-year estimate of. Apple's total contribution to the American economy. So if you're playing infinite golf on your iPhone and you make an in-app purchase, that contributes to the GDP. 
Since the contribution is routed through Apple, your spending becomes part of the Apple contribution to the American economy. It's a semi-fake measure that's basically a long-winded way of saying that Apple is a very big company. Now, here's the thing. If you, if any of you, Odie, Mercedes, Blue, if any of you were president, right, and you had to go in front of, uh, you, had, you had an interview, right, you would think that no matter what your level of economics is, uh, economic knowledge is, you would figure you would have to know this before you get in front of the camera, right? You would have yeah, to study up on it. it. Somebody would sit you down and say, Mercedes, listen, um, they're, you know, you, this Apple thing is big. They're probably going to ask you about it. So here, here's what you need to know. Yeah, get briefed no. on it. You know, let me know something. If I even know a little bit about it, give me all the details, something. Exactly. I, I don't expect any president to know everything about everything. Not Obama, not Bush, not Reagan, not other Bush, um, not anybody. Right? <laughs> but um, here's the thing, though. You have to at least have that first paragraph of Wikipedia knowledge of what's going on. You understand? You have to have that because you have people around you who are supposed to set you up with that. They're not doing that for Trump, either because Trump's not listening to them or they're not doing their jobs. So he gets on TV, he gets in these interviews, and he looks like a total jackass. And it reflects on the entire country. So basically, like Robert Reich was saying, we haven't had a president in the last year. Trump is basically a placeholder. I don't remember Barack getting up on TV being, you know, you know, like he was had like little knowledge of a topic. Whatever he addressed, he pretty much, you know, articulated properly. Trump, he looks stupid, and people make videos out of him every single time he opens his mouth. Every time. Right. Because you, you figure with somebody like Obama, Obama was already an intelligent person, so catching up on stuff is not hard for him, you know? And he's even when, when he's with other congressmen, he is almost always the smartest person in the room. One of my favorite, I, I've not mentioned this before, when they were talking about uh, Obamacare, when it was in the early stages, and they were sitting there, they had like the round table thing, and they were talking about uh, Affordable Care Act. And of course, the Republicans had their chance to have their input. And one of the Republicans was like, well, you know, instead of all this extra government oversight, why don't we just let the free market uh, take over and let uh, health care run without government intervention? And Obama just kind of looked at him the way a father looks at his 22-year-old son who says he wants to be a space marine when he grows up. And he just looked at him and he just said, you know what? I could cut the cost of meat by 30%. And all I'd have to do Cut out the meat inspectors. <laughs> you know, that was Obama's elegant way of saying, you're a fucking dumbass. You can't take government out of health care. Because then if health care is allowed to do whatever they want, which they mostly do anyway, then no one would be able to afford it, which they couldn't, which is why we had to have the Affordable Care Act in the first place. Because you have something that everybody needed, but nobody could afford that's why we had the ACA in the first place. But Obama, either because, I mean, Obama's a constitutional scholar, right? He's, he's, he's a professor who taught uh, constitutional law. So 
when it comes to that, there's not a whole lot that he doesn't know, unless it was some obscure thing that was taped to the bottom of uh, Thomas Jefferson's chair. He's probably going to know it. But even when, but like you said, Mercedes, even when it comes to the matter of economics and stuff like that, he's never really at a loss because he has people who keep him up to speed on that sort of thing, and he's an intelligent person, so he soaks that stuff in. Trump is then on top of. Person. On top of being an intelligent person, not, he was also the senator of Illinois. So when it came down to politics, we were dealing with a politician in the presidential chair. Trump is not a politician. And this is where I got into a, a brief argument with someone one day. I was like, I said, you know what? I said, when, we can't, when it came down to voting, I was like, you know, we always say, let's pick the lesser of the two evils. We know about all the conspiracies and, and stuff that happened while her husband was in office. So, you know, people were like, oh, we don't want them back in office. Or you know how... The, the Republicans are, but she still knew, you know, you know, bills and policies and stuff like that. I feel like we're dealing with a kindergartner right. who's learning his ABCs for the first time. I swear that's what it feels like every time that I hear that man open his mouth. Well, like, or or somebody or somebody is purposely on his administration that's supposed to brief him on stuff. They're making him look stupid because there was never a time that Barack got up there, or even Michelle for that matter, where they sounded as if they didn't know what they were talking about. It's right. crazy. And she wasn't, she, she was more, you know, intelligent. She, she's not even the, she wasn't even the president. She was the first lady. And Trump doesn't even sound as intelligent as she did. Even though, you know, we're talking about their lawyers and politicians and stuff like that. And Trump is just a, right. I mean, let's say he's just That's a rich white man with money. He's just a rich white man with money who was able to get all of the, you know, toothless to vote for him, pretty much. That's what happened. Donald Trump is living proof that if you throw enough money at failure, they'll eventually succeed. Because if Donald Trump, business-wise, was just some poor schmo who had to mortgage his house to start a business and didn't have a rich daddy to bail him out when he got bankrupt four or five times, uh, he'd be broke. He'd be in a, he'd be in a homeless shelter with a, with a dirty blanket and you know drinking his own piss. Like that would be Trump if he didn't have a rich daddy to bail him out constantly and then get in that hundred million dollar uh, inheritance when his dad died. If not for that, you know, he's uh, some people just weren't born to be businessmen. You know, Trump's only real uh, asset is that he's he's a very cunning con man that he's excellent at. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't dispute him on the fact that you know you could start a. How the how the fuck can you start a fake college? Have to settle for twenty five million dollars in a lawsuit and still become president? How's that possible? America. <laughs> it's crazy, and and the Obamas didn't have a scandal. They didn't have anything against them the entire time they were in office. But somehow this wonderful country we live in still somehow came out and voted. Trump into office. I still don't understand that. Yeah. He has. He was shrouded in, in, in all kind of crap, and he still is. Now, I don't even. What, what was the complete outcome of his relationship with Russia? I think now Russia won't even let Americans into the country. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> oh god. Well, the the thing is, the Russia collusion to me is real, but it's just a matter of all right for the. The thing with, with Robert Mueller, right? And this is not on Robert Mueller at all, right? If you have a ice cream cone that lands on the ground, right? There's going to be a line of ants going to that ice cream cone, right? It's in a straight line 
you could see exactly where it starts and see exactly where it ends with the trump russia i mean with the trump russia thing it's basically someone throwing a rock at the beehive and bees are all over the place you know so it's hard to find out where they come from where they're going they're just going around in, in mad circles it's gonna take them a while to put all those lines together you know but i like i said before robert Mueller's not going to save us you know we have to we have to save our, we have to save ourselves you know by voting putting the right people in office putting the right people in congress you know voting for voting for your judges you know when when we can vote for them because uh if we're gonna sit and and not to knock my religious friends but uh i remember a clip from the simpsons where there was a scandal in, in springfield and all the uh all the press was driving out to Springfield and then there was one from the Christian Science Monitor and then they had a flat tire and one guy was like oh I gotta fix the flat and the other guy was like no 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 we gotta wait for God to fix the flat so if you're waiting if you're just sitting by waiting for Robert Mueller to save us all we're gonna be very disappointed you know elections are coming in 2018 as disillusioned as I am with the people who I have to vote for, I'm going to vote anyway. You know, I, I make it a point to vote in my, ever since I moved to North Carolina, I made a point to vote in my local elections. I never voted in local elections before I came to North Carolina. But the, the fact of the matter is, I know I, I know I digressed a lot. The whole thing is with Trump is that he's just not fit to be president, but I don't think America has learned its lesson yet because you have conservatives who are still making excuses, bending over backwards, blaming the deep state. I don't know, put it like this. I follow politics. I have no clue what the hell the deep state is supposed to be. It's a boogeyman that you could just blame your problems on when you're, you know, when things don't go your way. They found out like most of the, most of the stuff that Trump's caused fake news is real. It's just that he, if he doesn't agree with it, he just calls it fake news. You know, he's the man is not fit to lead. You figure one of the things that Trump did was pull out of uh, TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership. He pulled out of it. Here's mm -hmm. my thing. Him pulling out of Trans-Pacific Partnership, I thought was a good thing, but it really wasn't an accomplishment for him. Not mean to take everything away from Trump, but the TPP was already dead. It was not going to have enough votes to pass. You understand because it was a terrible deal to begin with and I'm mad to this day I'm mad at President Obama for being behind it because it was a horrible trade deal but uh, other countries are going to go forward with it so when they found out that there's 10 other countries who are going to go on the TPP without the US right including Canada and I, I want to say Mexico I didn't hear that I don't know a part of it originally but I know Canada was part of it now Trump says he's open to be a part of TPP. That's not leadership. You know how horribly unpopular Obamacare was? And Obama stuck with it, and now Obamacare is enjoying its highest uh, polling. Are you know why? Yeah, I mean they're they're doing everything they can to sabotage it. Because they can't they can't vote it out of office now. You know, they tried. And it only, it was only saved by a couple of votes, by like 
two or three votes. McCain was one of them, you know? Barely held on to Obamacare, so now Trump's doing everything he can to sabotage it, to make it not work, to kill it uh, any way he can, you know? But, I mean, Trump wants to be liked more than he wants to lead, and that's dangerous for us. The TPP was basically, it was basically, I don't know if you guys play a lot of video games, but some games have what they call God mode. So basically, it's a, it's some games, like for PC games, you're able to unlock it. And what God mode is, is that you can go around and do anything. And it's basically a tool that the programmers use to find bugs in the system. So you have unlimited lives, you have unlimited health, you can do whatever you want to to find bugs in the game. And sometimes some games will allow you to unlock it just so you can yutz around with it. TPP was basically God mode for corporations because it allowed them. So let's just say Mercedes, let's say you own a a company, right? And I write a law that you feel, not that hinders you, your profits, but you feel hinders your profits. You You can sue me as a country. You could sue me to have that law rescinded. And now you don't even have to go to regular court. You have to go to a panel, you know, kind of like like a tribunal that's set up for that sort of thing. It puts them in the God mode. It's it's a terrible, terrible, terrible plan. And that haunted Hillary Clinton because she called she was touting it to other countries. She called the gold standard. You know. And then she tried to walk it back when when she found when when Hillary came out of her bubble and found out oh no one likes this, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I and I want to know, but before before I before I, I I cede my time before Blue comes in and starts saying reclaiming my time. I know I've been rambling, but I, I, I want to know how far do we have to fall as a country? before we learn our lesson that we can't just hire any schmuck off the street to be president the sad part we're still falling we're still falling and then even though you know previously with other presidents Trump doesn't even you know he's not even close to what even some Bush he wasn't the best president you know the junior Bush junior sorry he wasn't the best president Um, he did a lot of terrible things for our country and our economy and of course who, who can forget the uh, failing of the housing market and how we barely recovered from it and some of the things that were passed during that time frame. But um, recession, recession, whatever year it was. But, um, yeah, we're, we're still falling, though. Even after that, you know, when Bush left and he tried to fix it the best he could and rebuild our economy and, you know, um, you know brought, got into office, we, we, we are, we're failing again. That bounce back didn't last long enough. What, it lasted, what, eight years? Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're falling again. We're we're going to continue to fall until we get something right back in that office. And to be honest with you, I think um, Barack was the best thing at that point. Now he was not a perfect president. I didn't agree with everything he did. Sorry, but right. it, was, right. it was a much more comfortable eight years than anything else. I don't really agree with any politician 100. percent I don't trust all. I don't trust them 100. percent None of them. But for this country one of the best things that we had in eight years and we're right back we're worse off than we were when we had Bush in office yes but so and, and people don't see that everybody still supports him 
And like I said, the toothless and the ones who have the least support him the most, and I don't get it. You know, I, I, I see, now I'm starting to see a lot of videos from people who work for Carrier who have the buyer's remorse, and they're like, well, Trump's a con man. And I'm just like, fuck you. Because I'm pretty sure your state has internet, which means you have Google. <laughs> which means you could just Google this motherfucker and just see like how unfit he is but this is also that. part of the failing of the democrats because the democrats creating are... shutdown sequence oh uh -oh. <laughs> yeah he had to give me a t sign <laughs> that's my bad he said save it for poetry <laughs> all <right>. pretty much <laughs> that's all good that, that's why i wanted y'all to go first because i know i can ramble Last words. <laughs> 60 seconds or less, please. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and start since I was already talking. Uh, final words. I Something really off the cusp. I did find out that Monique, I know we were talking about her last week. She does have a lot of uh, awards, but not really for comedy. She won most of them from, uh, for Precious. So every up town that had a, a, a an award thing she was nominated talk about Monique but you know for comedy she's had some stuff but you know for her to be the most decorated comedian yeah that's not even close I'm sorry definitely so, so Monique oh, yes. you're still on your own <laughs> yes. Um, my final words, I'm not boycotting Netflix. That's what I was going to say anyway. Um, I support my black queen on every other level, but also when it comes down to money, she, she, she's still rich. She's worth $13 million. She might want to be a little bit more humble. A, a, a scotch more humble. <laughs> um, I, uh, I just say... Just try to be a little less horrible next week. I think if we, if people just start being a little nicer to each other, we'd be in a lot better position. Like, just do something a little nicer. And if you start to say something um, in opposition of someone, before you say that, ask yourself, is it really going to hurt anyone to keep things the way that it is? So, I don't know. Just think before you speak. I guess that's my final words and uh i look forward to seeing you guys underground next week and i my my final words is i'm thankful for meeting odie so i really have to give a shout out to charles for making that introduction as well as charles to introduce me to mercer i'm thankful for mercer but specifically for odie on this occasion due to it exposing me to the American underground and showing me the new space where we'll be recording. But not only that, everything happens for a reason. I know this to be so true. I myself, I find myself wanting to um, rent an office space in the American underground for um, eclectic media and urban breakdown. And that was something I never even thought about until Odie said, hey, this might be a good place for us to record. Then, of course, I went online, looked up American um, Underground, looked at some of the prices, looked at my vision board or what I wanted to do, had a plan of how to do it, was looking for office space anyway. It's a win-win. See, God puts things in front of you, what you need when you need it. Sometimes we pay attention to it, and sometimes we don't. We need to be more aware. We need to be more focused. And we need to really 
Don't don't align yourself with stressful relationships. Align yourself with relationships that manifest the dream and the goals you have for yourself. And I'm thankful for this team. Thank you all. Thank you. Be safe, Mercedes. Get out them streets. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I can't wait for all this stuff to come to some type of a, you know, fight pause because I got a lot going on right now. I know you need to sit down. You need to sit down, make a vision board, you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, have a definitive plan on what you want and how you want. Everything we got our hands in ain't necessarily necessary to have our hands in. I like the fact that, you know, you're doing big things, but pace is everything. Pace is everything. And I know, like, it's, 2016 was a big year for me. It all fell apart in 2017. Why? Because I was so, so busy in 2016 and I had my hands in so many pots that I didn't see all the pots and what they were manifesting and it was basically my undoing yeah and and, and you're absolutely correct like me I'm trying to stick to like the modeling acting so I got quite a few movies coming up and then I'm you know trying to pin the casting calls to get bigger roles and try mm-hmm. to step a little bit outside the independent but still support my independent you know filmmakers so mm-hmm. I'm trying to do something bigger because I would like this to manifest into a much bigger career. But mm-hmm. you're right. I'm doing so much right now. And then keep in mind, I do have five children. I'm still right. a single, single mother. And I also work from home. So I have an entire life here to keep up with. So I just, it is a lot. But um, it's, it's a lot in a sense of I can do most of, most of it. But again, the business. I run my own business. I have two businesses. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just stretched. So um, there's something's gonna have to give, but I, I think really what would help more is if I had, you know, a partner in one of my businesses. That would actually help a lot. One of them is just dolo by myself, so I don't have anybody. So I'm doing a lot of different running for it, and it's taking away time from everything else that I would normally be comfortable with. So it's a lot, but um, all right. Well, sound like you know what you got to do. That's just a matter of fact of how to do it. Yeah, and who to trust to do it with, you know? Exactly, because everybody ain't for everybody. Gee whiz. That that Jimmy, was it Jimmy Lynch? What is that thing, that manifest that came down years ago? Is it Jimmy Lynch? Help me out, Mark. Jimmy Lynch. Jimmy Lynch. There's some manifesto that came down in, um, you know, oh, slave uh, days. Willie Lynch. That's what it Willie was. Willie Lynch. Yeah, Willie you know Lynch. what I'm saying? That shit is so ingrained in our damn DNA. It's like, oh, we're there for you. We're there for you. We'll be the main ones sticking damn knives in each other's backs. In Charleston, we call it crabs in a barrel because we have blue crabs down there. And um, it's just like that. It's like, oh, we for you. We for you. And then when you need them most, they ghost on you. You know what I'm saying? That's true. All right. Damn, we're going to end up on a high note. All right. Go to D.C. this weekend and get high. Legalize marijuana. woo I can't wait. South Carolina's going to be the last to do it, I promise you. <laughs> Between South and North Carolina, if they ever do it. You know what I'm saying? Well, put it yeah, like this. Yeah, we have a Democratic governor, so we just got to get our legislature in order. There you go. There you go. All right, y'all. Be well. Be great. And if you haven't subscribed already to the Urban Breakdown podcast, please do so via your favorite podcast app. Podcast is the new radio. Hit shows such as 360 Degrees. Politics, he says, she said, Black Man's Perspective, and a new show on the horizon. Therapeutic Thursday is the working title, a mental health show based on black mental health issues. Thank you. Be well. Be great. <laughs>